The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinking Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome back to Stinking Truth Podcast. Mark Slareth, your host, along Mike Evans, my co-host, Scott DeHuff, the producer. Got to thank Core Water, our presenting sponsor. Hydrate your huddle with Core Water, pH balance water, Ultra purified, balanced with electrolytes to match your body's natural pH level of 7.4. And let me just tell you, crisp, clean taste. It is absolutely delicious. I finally gave in, gave the fellas some core water, and um, they're digging it. There's just no question. They love core water. Core water, you can find it at 7-Eleven, the one with the big blue cap. Uh, find out more at Hydrate with Core.com. Uh, you guys did. You, you like the core water. Yeah, you? you finally gave us some. And it is delicious. My kids love it. Do they? I told them all about pH, potential hydration. Did you really? Yeah, so I'm not only making sure that they're properly hydrated, I'm educating them in the process. The edumacation at your house is absolutely And I said, look at the giant suck hole. Right. We that's love what I, that's the, the kind of so you talk to your kids about pH balance and I talk to my kids about suck holes. <laughs> look at this suck hole, kids. Just go ahead and get yourself some of that crisp clean water. You know, while we're on the subject of suck holes, yes, yeah. Jacksonville. Oh Lord, I mean, can mercy. you believe this? Yes. I am. Yeah, is I this, can. Is it? You can. Yeah, you I can. Somehow saw this coming. No, I didn't see it coming. But I know they should have been in the Super Bowl last year. I know emotional maturity. I know how hard it is to win in this league. I know how hard it is, and I said this the other day, and I don't know if I said it on Twitter. I don't know where I said it. But somebody goes, oh, I think you said that wrong. I said this. It is harder to deal with success than it is to f- deal with failure. And somebody goes, oh, I think you, you, you misspoke there. I think you meant it's harder to deal with failure than it is success. No, it's not. Because most people aren't, aren't truly humble. You know, we have this saying in, the, in, in, in sports in general. There's two types of players, those who are humble and those who are about to be. Um, and the lack of humility just the organizational arrogance, the lack of maturity. Like Patrick Ramsey, like you, I know you're a great player. Jalen Ramsey. Tim, too. Both <laughs> those guys. Well played. Jalen Ramsey, your lack of maturity is embarrassing. Leonard Fournette. You're great. You're a great player, dude. You're a great player. You went through in GQ because you're going to build your brand because you were the cat's pajamas and you've arrived and you're just going to go ahead and basically lambaste everybody you play against and tell everybody how bad they suck. Good for you, man. Because you don't have the maturity to lead a football team. You don't. You're a child. A child. It's embarrassing. You can say whatever you want. You know, you could you could talk about whatever you want. You went through a whole litany of every guy on the team. Tell them how bad they suck. Could you imagine what your record would be if every quarterback you played against didn't suck? 
You wouldn't have three wins. You'd have zero wins. But how does that happen? You got Tom Coughlin, as old school as they get. Doug Marone, old school. How does that happen that this team runs around Leonard Fournette's getting in stupid fights? Stupid fights. Any football fight's a stupid fight. That was a stupid fight. How do you explain a team that, you know, seemingly is run by adults Mm -hmm. acting like children? Well, I I mean, if you let, like, those things, like, that article came out with Leonard Fournette and GQ, you automatically ought to get benched. I mean, it just is. It's it's one of those situations. What did I say? Leonard Fournette. Pat, I'm really struggling with the names. Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey. That article comes out. I don't know what your punishment is for something like that. But that doesn't do. That does your team no good. That again is you. To me, when that happens, you're more worried about building a brand than you are building a career. My brand is a brash, arrogant, shit-talking. And and listen, he's a great player. Don't get me wrong. He's a great player. But it takes so much more than talent. It takes so much more to talent than talent to lead. It takes so much more than talent to, to, to win. I, you know, everyone wants to blame Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles' numbers are about the same. Get this. As a defense, 2017 through 12 weeks, Jacksonville led the league in sacks with 41. Second in the league in takeaways with 25. You know where they are right now? Sacks, 21. Tied for 27th. Takeaways, 11. Mm. Tied for 24th. You know, you're going to sit there and talk about how good your defense is and how you guys can't be scored upon and you guys this and you guys that and all this, that, and the other. I just, this game is too hard to not respect it. It's too hard. And he showed a complete and blatant lack of respect for every opponent that he went against. And those are the kind of things to me that, like, be careful. Like, karma's a bitch, man. And you guys are right in the thick of things. And you didn't have the you didn't have the emotional maturity to handle that as a football team. All right. So, well, since we're talking about maturity and all that kind of stuff, I, I'm very curious to get your take mm-hmm. on Hugh Jackson and Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Baker was mad. Uh-huh. And Hugh Jackson saying, basically, this is a guy who just a, a short time ago was telling us how much we have to play for him. And now he takes a job in which we go up against him twice a year. Right. Baker was miffed at that. Now, put me in the camp of, hey, wait a minute. Hugh Jackson got fired. Correct. So Hugh Jackson doesn't owe you anything once you've been fired. He doesn't owe it to you right. to you know turn down a chance to work just because he's going to be going up against his old team and going up against you. Baker's had a really good year. Baker's had a really good Mm -hmm. rookie season. But to me, this is yet another example of some of the immaturity issues he's got to deal with and get over. You're 100% right on the Hugh Jackson thing. It's his right to take a job. There will be a day, if you play long enough, where a team is going to say, Baker, 
We don't think you can play anymore. And we'll see you around. Hell, it's been happening to Tom Brady in New England. Like, there was a there was a, a succession plan in place. And it was Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady and and you know, and Robert Kraft conspired against Bill Belichick, you know, to to, to push him out out the door. I mean, I've told you how that story went, where San Francisco approached New England three different times. And and Bill Belichick said, absolutely not, absolutely not, absolutely not. Don't ask me again. It's not for sale. And then all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, Kyle Shanahan gets a phone call from Bill Belichick. Hey, Kyle, it's Bill. Yes, Mr. Belichick. How can I help you? <laughs> That's how he referred to him. I'm, I'm in a meeting with Kyle. Kyle's like, I said, yes, Mr. Belichick. How can I help you? You still interested in Jimmy Garoppolo? Yes, Mr. Belichick. I'm interested. How about a second rounder? Yes, Mr. Belichick, it's done. Like, that's how it went down, essentially. That was according to Kyle. I mean, I sat in a meeting with Kyle. He told me about it. So that's kind of how it goes down. So you can't tell me that that wasn't – I mean, that that didn't come from Bill. He was mandated. You're going to get rid of him. All right. Uh, I mean, I've been told what to do by my owner. So, like – Quick, quick. Yeah. I, we'll get back to Baker. <laughs> but knowing your love and admiration for Tom Brady, does that – is that is does does he lose a little in in your eyes the fact that he went to Daddy Kraft and said, "Hey, I don't want Jimmy Garoppolo breathing over my shoulder anymore. I want him out of here." Do you lose a little respect for Brady? There is nothing that Brady can do to make me lose respect for him. <laughs> nothing. There's no, nothing at no, all. No, no, absolutely not. Because um, this will come back to haunt the Patriots in the long run. You know that probably because they did have a good succession. They had they had a quarterback that maybe he wasn't going to be Brady, but they had a quarterback that was going to be able to ensure that this run of theirs would right. go another decade. But now, well, now, now it's uncertain. Now it's not so much, right? But I've told you this before. I mean, there's no way that I could ever work for the Patriots, not because I'm too handsome. Like, if you're handsome, you're going to get fired. It's, Brady is going to ship you out. Dan Amendola, <laughs> handsome guy, playing in Miami. Jimmy Garoppolo, uber handsome guy, playing in, you know, San Francisco. Me, <laughs> incredibly handsome. <laughs> I mean, there's, I'm going to coach for them. I'm, I'm probably coaching for a week or two. People start saying, wow, that guy's really handsome. Boom, I'm gone. Brady will get rid of me. <laughs> I respect that. All right, so All back right. to Baker. Back to Baker. Eventually, <laughs> yeah, eventually, I mean, eventually everybody's going to get fired. Eventually everybody, and if somebody else covets your skill set, of course you're going to go work for them. Like if you get fired in the middle of the season and, and another team that you're, you know, in your division gives you a job, you're going to take the job. That's There's no loyalty there. So here's what I respect from Baker, and I've really grown to respect Baker. Um, Maybe a little bit of uh, background is necessary here. You want to bring everybody up to speed? Just yeah, well, where you were at with Baker? Yeah, I just didn't think I like you know five eleven and you know six foot and and spread offense. And I've seen so many guys really struggle coming out of that system. And how many Oklahoma quarterbacks have we seen struggle? And and you how know, many Heisman Trophy. Quarterbacks, Winning, quarterbacks yeah. that we see struggle, and 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 I've never been a Heisman guy because I just think the Heisman is a hype award. I you call it the hypesman. 
Um, because it's not about the best college football player. It's about the best college football player that plays running back or quarterback. And even then, it's not about the best. Like, come on, Derrick Henry won it over the, the year that uh, that Christian McCaffrey had? Stop it. It's because you didn't, you know, it's because people on the East Coast never saw Christian McCaffrey play. So he didn't get the vote. I, like, I've just not been a fan of it. Like, you did say he was undraftable in your mind. You wouldn't draft well, him. I was oh, no, that's not. Nah. I wouldn't have drafted him in in the cuz we were talking about the Broncos. I wouldn't have drafted him if I were the Broncos. In the I wouldn't have drafted him in the top 5. I wouldn't have, I didn't think he was I didn't think he was that. I really didn't. But listen, man, he's been all that and more. So, um you know, I've been wrong before. I, I've been I I you know, I've got him in two weeks. I've got him. So I'm I'm calling a, a Browns game in two weeks. And I think the way I'll start the interview process, I'll just get it recorded. And I'm just going to sit down, and he's going to sit down with me. And, you know, I was on his list for a while. Yep. So on the list. Maybe I still am. You might still be. I might still be on the list. So I'm going to sit down, get the recording going, and as soon as he sits down, I'm just going to say, you're welcome. <laughs> well, meaning What? Meaning that, you know, I was on the list. I, I criticized him. I probably am the one that, you know. Motivated him? Motivated him to, to have great success. So you're going to take credit for it? Yeah, I'll just, you're say you're, you're, I'll just say you're welcome. You're unbelievable. You're welcome. And see how he responds. That'll be fun, right? That will be fun. That will be fun. Here's what I respect. Actually, I, w- I would just, see, here's what I would. You could say that. Mm-hmm. I would go with. I would walk in, the first thing I would say is, am I still on the list? That'd be a good way to start. Am I on the list? Am I still on the list? And then see where it goes. Yeah. Either way. Yeah, it's a good opening oh, line. It's going to be great. Good I can't opening wait. salvo. I can't wait. Um, here's what I respect. This is what I, this is what I, re, this is what I respect so much about him. There is no hypocritical bone in his body. Like that chip on your shoulder, that is real. That stuff is real. Like it it really motivates him. And I respect the heck out of it. I told you this before, my first ever meeting as a member of the Denver Broncos offensive line. And I'm going to use a curse word here because it's exactly how it happened. But it's worth it, folks. I was sitting in a meeting, a group of guys that have never played together, guys from all over the league, myself and Tommy Nalen and Brian Habib and Gary Zimmerman and, and you know, we had Reggie McElroy and we had, man, there's just a, a bunch of a bunch of different guys, Ralph Tam, a bunch of different guys from all over the league. You know, this hodgepodge group of here's our offensive line. And the very first minicamp meeting, First time we've ever sat in a meeting room together. And Alex Gibbs, our offensive line coach, said to us, he goes, and I'll paraphrase, but he said something to the effect of, man, we are going to, nobody's going to outwork us. Nobody's going to outstudy us. We're going to be the hardest working group in the National Football League. We're going to be the smartest group in the National Football League. Nobody's going to outprepare us on the practice field or in games. And nobody's going to outwork me. I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I'm not willing to do myself. 
and we're going to go through this thing together. And we are going to bust our asses together, and this is going to be an incredible group, man. And I am fired up. And then you know what he said? As sure as I'm sitting here right now, he said, but just understand this one thing about me. If it comes between you and this football team, you're going to get fucked. Because I will fuck you. Because this football team is so much more important than you. It's about the football team. And, you know, that might have set some guys off or that might have bothered some guys. You know what it said to me? I love this guy. I'll play for this guy because I always know where I'm going to stand. 100% of the time, I know where I stand. And that's what I loved about Alex Gibbs. There wasn't a hypocritical bone in that dude's body. And I guess from Cleveland's standpoint is that, okay, maybe – Maybe what Baker said was, you know, a bit unfair to Hugh. But you're talking about a Browns team that's been down for so long, has had sand kicked in their face for so long, they desperately need somebody right. to come out and say, hey. No more. No more. Right. You know, it's about us, and we got to start looking out for us, and we're not going to be disrespected that way. We've there, been, dis- there's no we've been gray, disrespected yeah. so long enough with this crap. And there is no gray area. It's it's players probably loved it. Oh my, uh, yeah, and I know absolutely. the fans loved it. Absolutely, sure. I'm sure the players loved it. There is no, uh, you know, there's no gray area. You're either with us or you're against us. That's Baker Mayfield. You know what I mean? From you know grabbing his Johnson, you know to to planting the flag at Ohio State to whatever like that. I have I have grown. I have grown to look at the what I thought. Initially, was immaturity, which now I look at as just snarky, competitive, up yours attitude, and I, I've grown to be a fan. Wow, you are going to be off the list. You're off the list. You will be off the list. You, you two are going to be best pals. Do you think you guys are going to be besties when you walk out of that meeting? Well, you guys like, are going to be texting each other. Hey Baker, how you doing? Hey Stink, what's up? I don't think. Hey that. Baker. Do you have a good Christmas? <laughs> hey, Stink, what are your plans for New Year's? You know, yeah, all that stuff. Yeah. You know? Did you watch that college football game last night? Wasn't that fun? I mean, you do. I can just see where this is That's going. That's not going to happen. I can see where this That's is going. That's not going to happen. I can see where this is I'm going. I'm just going to say you're welcome. Hey, Kit, you know, I am, I am never amazed. It never ceases to amaze me the hypocrisy of the NFL. You know, here's a lead that comes out, and – they, they talk about how much they want to be involved in the community, how much they care about uh-huh. doing the right thing and setting the right example. And then they go out and do something like what the Washington Redskins did. Just moments, it seems like, after San Francisco said, enough's enough with Reuben Foster. We just can't keep doing this. They let him go, and Washington picks him up, which is no matter what they say, it's not what they say, it's what they do. Watch their actions, not their words. And this is the NFL once again telling you that talent trumps character. And it always will. 100% of the time. Until until that talent is no longer to the point where they feel like it's good enough to overcome the noise, then all of a sudden that's when they'll make a statement. Like, the whole, you know, Ray Rice, it, it kind of started with Ray Rice, right? And obviously the video that was released was horrific. And I get that. 
But had Ray Rice not been averaging 3.1 yard per carry when that video came out, if he was averaging 5.2 yards per carry, Ray Rice would have played the National Football League again. But you know what? They were stringent. You know, they're, we cannot allow this, and this is not going to happen. Not with a guy that has a 3.1 yard <laughs> per carry average, right? Right. But had Ray Rice been anybody, mm-hmm. come on. Yeah. Hey, if Adrian Peterson was averaging 3.1 yards per carry, he'd have never played in the league again. That's right. So the talent always, unfortunately, if the talent is extreme, it, it trumps the character. Yep. And you can sit there and talk about it all day long. I applaud the 49ers because, you know, Reuben Foster, I think, has been arrested three times in 2018. I think he had a marijuana possession. Then he had the domestic violence charge. And then um, the young lady recanted her story. And apparently it's the same gal that he had a, a clause sign that he couldn't have visitors at the team. Like, that's what we've come to is here's the clause for you. No visitors at the team hotel on the road. Like, you want to talk about babysitting? At what point? And and I will tell you this, Mike, as a former player, I understand talent and stuff, but there's certain dudes that just detract from your football team. Like, if we got to babysit, I understand to a point, but if you get to the point where you're just like, Dude, you can't have anybody come visit you at the team hotel because you are that out of control or you're that immature or you're that whatever. Like, how can you, as a football player, look at your management that's preaching togetherness and team unity and sacrifice and all the things that it takes? Like, there's a ton of biblical principles that lend themselves to success, a team sacrifice and care more about others than you care about yourself. And, and those things are what set great teams apart. And every team preaches this stuff and they all, you know, they all have their set of tenants, you know, like this is what we believe in. We used to say, you know, that guy couldn't be a Bronco, Right. He didn't have Bronco character. He didn't have Bronco whatever, right? I mean. Then you and, bring in Dale Carter. Right. And you, and everybody rolls their eyes. Like there comes a time when if you as an organization put up with enough of that crap that every guy sitting in the locker room goes, our organization shh, is full of shit. Right? <laughs> Don't tell anybody. But what if the guy helps you win? I mean, that's what you guys are there for. You're there to win. You're there to get, you know, hopefully you, you win. That, that maybe gives you a chance to get paid more. So, yeah, you, you look at a guy like Reuben Foster and you're like, oh, man, what kind of what kind of message is this organization sending? But if the guy goes out and has 12 tackles for you and you win the football game, aren't you likely to overlook all that stuff? The problem, the problem is, yes, if the dude is actually a decent human, if he's a good guy, like if you, if you genuinely like the guy, yeah. As a player, I think you can overlook but some of that stuff. What if you don't? What? But what if he just flat out plays for you and performs? Ultimately, I mean, you you can't tell me that in all the years you played with all the teammates that you played with that you liked them all. No, it's probably not, some guys it, you couldn't stand. Yeah, it's not about liking them all. It's about respecting them all. 
like respecting the way they not respecting what they do away from the facility, but the way they play. Like Ruben Foster is an incredibly talented guy, but I will tell you, I've done a couple San Francisco games. Ruben Foster is incredibly his life mimics his football career. He's completely undisciplined. Like he'll make a splash play that you're like, oh my lord, did you see that? Rewind it. And then he'll make a play where he gives up a touchdown because, you know, his feet, his heels are supposed to be on the goal line and he's four yards short of his landing mark because he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off and he gives up a touchdown behind him. You know, it's like for every one splash play, there's four plays where you're like, that's not good enough, that's not good enough, that's not good enough because he's undisciplined. He's chasing ghosts, he's he's running around real fast, he's never in the right area, but boy, he runs fast. He gets to the wrong area quickly. Right? I mean, good for him. Getting to the wrong area quickly, like, you know, the the old saying, you can be fast and dumb and we can find a place for you, but you can't be slow and dumb. But fast and dumb will get you beat too. You know, like fast and dumb, rushing the passer and turning a corner, we'll live. We'll probably thrive. But playing linebacker where you've got a certain zone you've got to cover, and you're you're super fast to the wrong zone, that's enough to get you beat. And so those are the things you, you gotta think about. I I like I applaud San Francisco. They gave them a they gave them a second chance. Like they said, okay, here's the deal. But they they said this is the parameters. You break these parameters, you're gone. He broke them, they cut him like Sunday morning before the game. Yeah, you you no longer play here. Good for them. And for the Washington Redskins, all that, all the stuff that you've been preaching to your players and all the things that you've said to your players about, about um, commitment, sacrifice, and what it's going to take to get to the next level, um, all those things are bullshit. You're a liar, every one of you. You've lied through your teeth. And you know what? You'll reap the benefits of another season where you don't make the playoffs. Congratulations. That's what you get. All right. Well said. Can't add anything to that other than uh, stay tuned. Our next podcast will include our moneymaker picks where I am once again uh, trying to bounce back from yeah. my awful, awful, awful Thanksgiving Day performance, which has put me in a, a little bit of a hole. Well, um, I, I stemmed the bleeding over the weekend on Sunday, but I'm still feeling the effects of that gross Thanksgiving meltdown. Yeah, you didn't make up any ground, but um, I'm incredible. <laughs> and um, I've got pretty much an insurmountable lead. No, it's not insurmountable. Stop uh, that. It's insurmountable. pretty large. It's ridiculous. Pretty large. It's like a game and a half lead. Relax. Uh, It'll be gone in a moment. Uh, probably won't be, though. Uh, anyhow, for everybody involved in the podcast, our presenting sponsor, Core Water, thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with you as we make our moneymaker picks presented by Bud Light. <laughs> 